Okay, well, welcome back, guys. It's been a minute. I'm glad you guys are here. Um, so here's kind of what we're, we're going to start with this time uh, in, in this new series. Uh, Zane, are we recording? We're all set? You're the man. Um, we're going to go through a series on uh, prayer called Breathe Again. Uh, and here's why I say that. Um, I, for me, at least, uh, my prayer life is rough. Uh, it's, it's not that good. Uh, it's not that encouraging. It's not that good of an example for you guys. And I think for, and I'm just assuming, but I think for most, if not all of us, um, if I asked you, how is your prayer life? I don't know that any of us would respond, man, I am killing it. You know what I mean? Like, I am, I am, I'm prayed out. You know what I mean? Like, I am just so full all the time of prayer. And, and that's me too. But, but for so many of us, I think um, praying in the Christian life is like breathing. We, we have to do it, but we're so bad at it. Um, like we just kind of ramble and like we forget. Like while I'm preaching, I'm not going to all of a sudden forget that I'm preaching. Like I'm not going to be like, oh my gosh, you know, and like, okay, get, get it back together. Like you don't forget that you're playing basketball. You don't forget that you're rehearsing for a show. You don't forget that you're playing a video. You don't forget that you're, but when we're praying, does this not happen where you're like, oh yeah, I'm praying, and you're, you like just get rambling, and you're like, oh yeah, I'm praying, and you gotta, you gotta lock it back in and get it together. I gotta give this to, to Zane real quick, um, and then Ricky can just take it back at the end. Um, so it's one of those things. So we're going to do a series on prayer, and I just think it's important. But before we get started, I kind of have two resources for you. Lauren, can you hit that first one? Um, this is a book called Prayer by Timothy Keller. Guess what it's about? Um, it is about prayer. And I got it right here, just so you can kind of see it. Check it out, right? Ooh. Um, this book is awesome, and it kind of, it, it's just such a good refresh and reset on why prayer is important, what prayer is about ways to get better at praying, um, ways to live in that space much better. And then the second resource is actually a YouTube video by Tim Keller. Just go to YouTube and search how to pray. Um, and Tim Keller just does such a tremendous job. He, it's actually where I'm pulling a lot from tonight, but um, he goes through the Lord's Prayer, and it kind of shows us different things about praying. Does that make sense? So how to pray by Tim Keller, and then the book Prayer, also by Tim Keller. Um, some awesome, awesome tools. Do me a favor um, and open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, and it'll be on the board for us as well. Um, now remember, we kind of shifted gears last semester and went into kind of a small group feel, so we're going to have some, some out loud reading, um, and we're going to be running all over the Bible tonight. Um, but in the Lord's Prayer, we're only going to go through just one verse tonight. All right, so here's kind of what we'll do. Um, Blaze, are you with us in Matthew 6? Are you good? Can you do um, Matthew 6, verses 9 through 13? Go for it, buddy. Yep. Good. Okay. Nice. Um, so, the Lord's. This is the Lord's prayer. This is probably the most spoken 
set of words in the history of the English language. You think about how often this is said for before different things begin, like before concerts or before sporting events, before all these different things. Um, this is, it's also in Luke chapter 11, verses 2 to 4. You don't have to turn there, but this is where the Lord's Prayer is in Scripture. Matthew chapter 6, what Blaze just read, and then in Luke chapter 11, verses 2 to 4. So we're just going to go through the first verse of that tonight. And I think as we, as we walk through this part of the Lord's Prayer, it will help us in our own prayer life. Does that make sense? So, Wheeler, can you just read Matthew 6, verse 9? Just Matthew 6, verse 9. Nice. Some Shakespeare in there. A little shout out to the KJV. Um, Nothing wrong with that at all. Um, Okay. So pray ye this way, right? Pray ye like this. Um, Let's do this. Ryan, can you read verse 9 and just read it? So we're going to break up verse 9 into three kind of chunks tonight. And I'm going to talk for a little while and we'll we'll walk through some stuff. So, So Ryan, just read Matthew 6, verse 9 until I tell you to stop. Great job, Brian. Okay, this then is how you should pray. And by the way, just so you know, if you, if you need it, we've got Bibles over here and then some pens as well. If you're, if you're a note taker, that's totally okay. Um, so, so look, Christ tells us, right? Um, he tells us, in my Bible it says, pray then in this way. Okay? Canaan, not a trick question. This and any... Those are, are those, is that the same word, or are those two different words? They are, thank you, Canaan. Very well said. They're two very different words. There's this way that you're supposed to pray versus any way that you can pray. And this is one of those immediate things in our culture. Because, like, so, Shelby, do you think in our culture there is a, a set way to pray, or everybody can kind of pray however they want? Yeah, so I would say there is a set way to pray, but for the most part in our culture, it's kind of, yeah, get you one, Delano. It's just kind of how, we, we, you can pray however you want. However you want to pray, however you want to talk through this, however you want to get to God, that's the way. But look at what Christ says. Wheeler, can you read right there again in Matthew 6, verse 9? Okay, let's do someone who's got an English version of the Bible. Um, Baker, can you read uh, Matthew 6, verse 9? This then is how you should Right there. This then is... So look, so this is so important to, to not miss. Right out of the gate, Jesus crashes into our culture of however you find your freedom is how you find your freedom, right? This idea of however you want to talk to God is however you want to talk to God. And that's just not the case. Um, he says, there is a way to pray. Now, Delano, if there is a right way to pray, there is, by definition, a what? A wrong way to pray. So right out of the gate, this is kind of, wait a second, what do you mean? So there's two reasons, well, there's more than that, but there's two reasons that Jesus says pray then this way. Number one, there is a right way to pray. Um, and, and I can almost guarantee Let's, let's just kind of all be honest. Raise your hand if your prayer life is not at all where you want it to be. Raise your hand. Yeah, so we're all pretty much in the same boat here, okay? <gasps> okay, don't worry, it's everybody, okay? Here's, now follow me here, guys. I can almost guarantee that the reason most of our prayer lives are, if we can be honest, terrible, myself included, is because when we do pray, we don't pray the way Jesus teaches us. Does that make sense? 
It's not, so we look for, how can I pray more? How can I pray better? Whoa, 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 whoa. Instead of looking for all these methods, if we pray the way, pray then like this. Pray then like I'm about to show you. Pray ye this therein way, like Wheeler read to us, right? And again, this sounds weird to us, that there's a right way and a wrong way to pray, because prayer is, well, okay, Brooke, can you just kind of, just like in one sentence, what is prayer? What do you do during prayer? Prayer is when you what? Prayer is talking to God. I can, that's even simpler than what I put in my notes. Like, prayer is talk, you just talk to God. You just tell him what's on your heart. And, and you're right. You're not wrong. What if I was like, no, you're right. But, it's, but, what, if, but what if I've never flown a helicopter before? And I jump in the helicopter and I'm like, this is easy. All you have to do is put it in the air. Well, you're right. But I don't want you to be the one. You see what I mean? Like, there's a lot. You're right, but there's so much more in it. Um, I do a lot of marriage counseling, right? And like um, pre-marriage counseling before I do the wedding with the couple. And it's this idea of, you know, well, we love each other. And that's good. That's where you're supposed to start there. That's awesome. But there's so much more to it than that. Just because you know the point doesn't mean you know how. Does that make sense? And we wouldn't do that with anything else. In, in theater, well, you, you just get up there and act. That's a little insulting to someone who's been in theater for a long time. Or like, you know, you, what, you, what you filling in. I can, I, can teach, I can teach fifth graders math. You just, you just put it up there and they learn. No, that's not what happened, right? You, we would never do that. But why is it that with prayer, we're like, I know the point of it, so I'm just going to do it. Whoa. Think about the rest of our lives. In no other situation in life, just because you know the point, that doesn't mean that you know how. And prayer is one of these huge things. So there is a right way to pray. That's why he says pray this way. Number two, he teaches us to pray because prayer takes work. And this is weird to us. Again, prayer doesn't take work. You just I could close my eyes and do it right now. I don't think you could. Now, let me talk about why I say that. Uh, again, I talked about how I, with weddings and stuff, like I'll do, uh, how many, so let's, let's just kind of see, have you been to a wedding before? Raise your hand, been to a wedding? Okay, most of us. Um, how many of you have been to the rehearsal dinner of the wedding, right? Ooh, the inner circle. Yeah, there it goes. So, so the rehearsal dinner is after the rehearsal, right? It's the dinner that night before the wedding. And it's fun for the family and friends, but it's super weird for the pastor because like I don't know any of these people. Like I know the people that I'm marrying, but that's really it. I, I, a lot of times, I don't really know their family. I don't really know their groomsmen and bridesmaids. I don't know them. So I always get landed sitting with someone that I don't know for like two hours, okay? Is it not super weird? Like, okay, most of us aren't going to like strike up a conversation on the elevator, right? Or on MARTA, right? Like, we're, you're not just going to sit down for the, I said most of us, right? You're not just going to open up because, because now Wheeler, now help me out. Why won't you just talk to somebody? Because you don't what? You don't know them, right? And so for me, it's weird sitting next to people that I don't know because now think about it, talking to someone that you don't know. You have to kind of figure out how to talk to them. Think about prayer here. You kind of have to think of what you want to say. You kind of just give it a shot and see if it sticks. You have to learn how to listen to them for those couple of hours. You have to kind of learn, like, you know, you have to focus on listening to them because you really don't want to talk to them because you don't know them. So, like, it's work now. You see what I mean? 
You have to learn how to listen. And then when you finally, like when you're talking to somebody that you don't know, and you finally, you know, because it's weird for them too, and you finally hit something that you have in common. Oh my gosh. And you like, subconsciously you relax, right? And it's fun for a minute. And then you just wear that subject out. And then you kind of peter out and now you got to get back going. You see what I mean? Is this not exactly, to me at least, is this not exactly what prayer is like for us? You have to figure out what to say. You have to work really hard to find something that, man, then when you finally get going, it makes sense. And then you wear that thing out and then you're either done with it or you got to figure out what to say. Again, you got to learn how to listen. One of the reasons we struggle with figuring out how to pray is because we don't know the God that we're praying to. Um, Prayer takes work because getting to know someone takes work. And this is the reason that that maybe um, this idea of, hey, prayer takes work, I don't know that that resonates with all of us. Because you know what doesn't take work? Okay, Anthony, not a trick question. What takes more work? Getting to know someone that you don't know or reading a grocery list out loud? Which one takes more work? Wait, wait, wait. I don't think you heard my question. Uh, (laughs) Getting to know someone that you don't know at all. Getting to know them as a close personal friend or picking up a grocery list and just reading from it. Which one is harder to do? (laughs) Which one is harder to do? Right, good. Yeah, yeah. Getting to, but but the fact that we but see the fact that we were all like, oh my gosh, like that shows like, you know, it's not hard reading a list over and over again out loud. So when I say that prayer takes work, the reason some of us are like, no, it doesn't, is because that's what prayer is to us. It's just reading this grocery list to God. Prayer's not hard. I can close my eyes and tell God what I need right now. Well, yeah, but what if that's not the point of prayer? What if the point of prayer is to get to know God more, getting to know the person? So, um, pray then like this. Prayer takes work. There is a right way to do this. And the Lord's Prayer is Jesus' right way. It's okay, we're good. Is Jesus' right way to pray. All right, here we go. So, pray then like this. Um, Let's do, Shelby, are you with us in in Matthew? Pray then like this. Can you read the next section after Jesus says, pray then like this? Great job, Shelby. Okay. Our Father. All right. See, this is going to be, I'm making it as easy as we can. So, our Father. Here's why this is important. Um, And this is so good. Prayer has to be in the family or it won't work. Okay. Prayer has to be in the family or it won't work. So, so God is not just our Father. What are some other things that God is to us? Does that make sense? Delano, what is something else besides Father that God is to us? He's our what? He's our Master. Yep. All right. Josiah, give me something else. What is something that God is to us? He's not just our Father. He's not our Master. He, he, what else does He do? He's our Shepherd. Nah, a little Sunday school answer. Good job. Good job. What does He do in Genesis 1? What does God do? He what? He's our creator. Now, here's why this is important. All these different roles that God has, master, king, shepherd, creator. If you go to God just as creator, this intellectual, if you go to God just as king, this master, this sheriff kind of thing, right? Your prayer will never work. Because he asks us to go to him as father. Here's why this is important. Because it's not, you could call, I mean, you could type in a computer to say Father, 
but going to God as Father. Um, it's like this. When you're in a huge crowd, like, like we are right now, none of us are being, yeah, none of us are being, that's not pastoral, right? But none of us are being totally ourselves right now. We've all got the church face on, and then when we go back to school, we take the church face off and put the school face on, and then we put this face on. And then when we go, but then when you go home, whether that be your dorm room or the house that you live in, where you go, that's when you take all those masks off and you are you. You are yourself at home. Keep pulling this together. This is why I think, um, this is why I think we're, mo- we're most honest with God, not during thanks, but during suffering. When things, to me, to me, I pray best when I'm really going through something awful. Is that fair for other people? I pray the best, like my prayers are the most honest, the most passionate, the most, the most consistent when I'm suffering. And here's why. Because in, in suffering, all of that acting, all of the, the faking, all of that face that you put on is gone. Does that make sense? All of the like, oh, most holy and gracious God, we thank you for this food. I don't care about lunch. I'm, I'm suffering. Does that make sense? But like, you feel like you have to pray before mealtimes. You think God gets any glory from you? Like, you see what I'm saying? But when I need him, when I like need God, you see what I mean? When I'm like stressed to the bone, when I've got so much going on, or when someone in my family is sick, or, or the, the money's not coming where I thought it would come from, man, I've never been more honest with God. Because all those masks come off. That's what he means when he says, our Father. You are who you really are in front of your parents. You are. You're super nice to me, but some of you guys are just real jerks to your parents, right? Or you're super nice to me because you're, you're, you're good with your parents. You and your parents have a good relationship. Your, your dishonesty comes out in front of your parents. Your true honesty comes out in front of your parents. Everything is shown before mom and dad. Does that make sense? That's how God invented it. So when Jesus says, our Father... He's talking about praying to the one who sees us for who we really are. Did you notice how, all right, look look at the end. Look down towards the end. Look at uh, verse 13. Verse 13. Um, Canaan, can you read Matthew chapter 6? Can you read verse 13? This is the end of the Lord's Prayer. Good. Now, first of all, I don't know if you noticed, but for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. That was actually added later. Um, in my version of the Bible, it has brackets around it, but that's actually added. And people say it all the time, like in movies and stuff, which is totally fine. It's not like it's wrong or it's invalid now. But fun fact, and then if you look, you don't have to, but remember I said it's in, it's in Luke 11 as well. Thine is a kingdom of power. That's not in Luke 11 because it's not part of the actual Lord's Prayer. Now, how do we always end our prayers? How do you end your prayer? Before the amen, you pray in something. You follow me? Go ahead, Shelby. Yeah? In Jesus' No, you're good. In Jesus' name. That's a team effort. I count it. That's fine. <laughs> um, that's not in here. Isn't that, isn't that strange that the Lord's prayer that Jesus gives us is not, doesn't end in Jesus' name? Okay? Um, turn over to Hebrews 4, verse 16. Hebrews 4, 
verse 16, and it'll be, on the, it'll be on the board as well if you're just like, Ryan, I'm just tapped out. I understand that. So turn to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Now, here's why this is important. Um, Hebrews 4, 16. What you got? <laughs> you're okay. Actually, can you read it for us, Delano? Hebrews 4, 16. So, and in my version, it says the same thing. Let us approach the throne of God with great what? With confidence. Mine says, let us boldly approach the throne of grace. I don't know if any of you guys have that in there. Boldly, with confidence, not arrogantly, of course, approaching the throne of God boldly. Now, this has in no way hit us the way that it needs to hit us, okay? Flip, now, again, I told you we're going to do some acrobatics here. Flip over to Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6, okay? Isaiah 6, this is Isaiah being called up into the throne room of God, all right? This is Isaiah being called up into the throne room of God. Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. Are you there, Shelby? Isaiah 6, 1 to 3. Can you read that for us? Uzziah, yep. Uh, I'm sorry, do four as well. All right, let's back up for a minute here. Okay, what are some things about Isaiah chapter 6 that stand out to you? What are some things that, that stood out to you there about the throne room of God? What you got? Okay, seraphim, which means angels. Now, fun fact here, this one's for free. Um, here's probably what some angels looked like. These things are called seraphim, and we did this in the, the college Sunday school class. Seraph, Old Testament's written in Hebrew. Seraph is the Hebrew word for to burn. And these jokers are called seraphim. So they're probably covered in what? These guys are covered in fire. How many wings? Yeah, it is awesome. Well, to read about it, it's awesome. How many, how many wings do these jokers have, right? And then what are, and they're cov- what's covering? What's going on here? They're covering... Covering their face, covering their feet. And it's this idea, remember Moses has to take his shoes off because he's stepping onto what? Holy ground. Holy ground. Yeah, and that's Isaiah. You're getting there. But, so they can't, they can't even look at his face. They're shouting, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty on repeat. And what's going on with the foundations and stuff that's going on? Why is it shaking? Because of why? Well, because of the Lord, but also because the seraphim are, doing, are what? They're, they're, it's because they're shouting so loudly. The train of his robe fills the temple. Smoke fills the room. Hebrews 4.16. We can approach the throne of God. How? Tell me again. Confidently. Boldly. Really. Boldly. You see what I'm saying here? Um, How can we approach the throne of God boldly? Look back at the Lord's Prayer. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. Our Father. Tim Keller says this. Listen to this quote. The only person who dares to wake up a king at 3 a.m. for a glass of water is his child. We have that kind of access. Is that not 
Is that not tremendous? Is that not the coolest thing? How can you approach that throne with the shaking and the angels and the shouting? How can you, in your lust, in your pornography addiction, in your, in your gossip, in your stealing, in your slander, how can you, how can I approach the throne of grace boldly only if we are seen as his child? Um, my dad is an English teacher and a basketball coach. And I remember when I went to college, I would call him um, just with questions about, hey, Dad, I'm out of money again, or whatever, like, you know what I mean? Like all kinds of different, hey, man, all kinds of different things, right? Just, and I would call him at like noon or 11 a.m. or 5 o'clock, like during practice or during class. And I, every time he would pick up and he would go, hey, I'm in class, what's up? Like he would pick up the phone for me in the middle of teaching his class or hey, I'm in practice, what's up? What's up? Head coach of the basketball team. He'd pick up in the middle of class. Brookdale's not a trick question. Why would, why would my dad, why would he answer my phone whenever I called him? Because I'm his what? Because I'm his kid. Does that make sense? Can you imagine if one of my dad's students had barged in and interrupted his class or interrupted his, his practice, the anger that he'd have? But if, I, if something was going on in my life that I had to interrupt his class, my dad would immediately turn to me with concern. You see how that relationship is totally different when you're his child? We can boldly approach the throne of grace because our Father, this should end in Jesus' name. It's not in Jesus' name. The whole prayer is in Jesus' name. It's because of Christ that we can call God our Father. Does that make sense? So when Christ opens with our Father and he tells us to pray our Father, that means that we are also God's what? We're his, we're his children. You see that? Does that make sense? That's what Christ is talking about. You have to come to him as a child. Last, last uh, thing that we're going to turn to, turn to John chapter 1. Keep a, keep a finger in Matthew if you're there because we're going to go right back to it. John chapter 1, verse 12. John chapter 1, verse 12. Ryan, are you there? Can you read John 1, 12? gave them the right to become children of God, those who believed in his name. So pray like this. There is a way to pray. Pray our Father. And then the last part, um, look at the next part of that verse. Um, let's do, Blaze, are you back in Matthew 6? Okay, Matthew 6, can you just, just read all of verse 9? Good. If you now, he, this is so important. Okay, so hang with me because we're almost done. Um, if you look at this whole, if you look at the all the whole Lord's Prayer, Matthew six verses nine through thirteen, there's really only one verse that's asking for something. It's verse eleven. What is verse eleven asking for? Somebody tell me. Our daily bread, what we need, right? Ver, the re, but the rest of the prayer is about God. Verse 12 is about, you know, forgive us of our sins against you. It's not really asking for it. You see what I'm saying? Verse 13, deliver us from evil. This is all, this is all focusing on God. This is all about God. Verse 9, now follow this. In verse 9, remember, Jesus tells us, this is how you should pray. And the entire first half is praise to God. 
your kingdom, your will, hallowed be your name. I don't know about you guys, but my prayers, we, we've already used the analogy, but my prayers are so often like a grocery list. Does that make sense? Like, this is what I need. This is, God, thank you for this day. And that's pretty much like, first of all, I don't know that that even really makes sense. Like, thank you for this day. It's going to, it's, that's going to happen tomorrow as well. Like, I don't know that you have to, you see what I mean? It's like, but we feel like we have to thank him for something. So we thank him for this day. And then we, here we go. Here's the list of things that we need, right? Why is my prayer life so difficult? Because I'm not doing it the way Jesus taught. I'm not spending time in praise. I'm just asking for things. And that's, that, that's there, and we'll get there next week. But I'm just asking for things. The end of Job, okay, the end of Job has always confused me. It's always kind of like irked me a little bit, because Job 1 through 30, it's 42 chapters. Job 1 through 37. Um, Delano, if you could describe what Job goes through in like one to two words. Job goes through what? Oh, okay, yeah. I was like, well, you're losing me. Uh, yeah, he, go, he goes through, he does, he goes through agony. He goes through all this pain for 37 chapters. And then in Job 38 to 41, God finally shows up, right? And he just talks, God just talks about how awesome God is. This is the part where he says, you know, Job, face me like a man, stand, and I, will, and I will address you now. And he just talks about how awesome God is. And the whole time I'm looking through it, I'm just thinking like, oh my gosh, you're crushing him. Like he's been through so much, and now you're just going to talk about how awesome you are and how dare you question me, and you're crushing him. But let's look at Job's response. Job chapter 42 Job's response. Job chapter 42. So Job has been through all this pain, all this devastation. It's right before Psalms, by the way. So Job's been through all this pain for 37 chapters, and then for the next three chapters, God comes and just kind of dresses him down and talks about how awesome God is. And here's Job's response. Shelby, are you there with us? No worries. Can you read Job 42, verses 1 through 6? Now remember, Job has suffered, and now God has been laying out how awesome God is. And this is Job's response. 42, sorry. Job chapter 42, no worries. I've heard about you, but now I've seen you, and I repent of my du- in dust and ashes. Job worships. Why? Think about this in light of the Lord's Prayer. Over half of it is praising God. As Job sees how great God is, Job's heart begins to soften. Being exposed to the greatness of God, it doesn't crush Job. It heals him. He asks for an answer, and he gets nothing. He asks for healing, and he gets nothing. Only after God overwhelms Job with the wonder of who God is for three chapters 
does Job finally begin to heal. God is reorganizing Job's prayer life. He takes away, kind of, he kind of takes away Matthew 6:11, which is give me, right? And he reminds Job that most of the Lord's prayer is about worship. Not because it's what you're supposed to do. This is not the if, if the point of this is, hey, go out and worship God because it's what you're supposed to do, I've totally missed the point. But because it's what's best for your soul. So often you might say, God shouldn't be telling Job how great God is. He should be helping Job. He is helping Job by telling Job how great he is. That's what's helping Job. We spend all of our time in prayer on our grocery list, in petition, and none of it in praise. So, of course, our prayer life stinks. I challenge you with this. Take the next week, take this next week and pray like this to God. Regardless of your circumstance, regardless of of the outcome, regardless of what's going on, spend 80% or more of your prayer in praise of Him. You can ask Him things, but I'm saying go to Him, and instead of going to Him to ask for something, go to Him and praise Him for over half your prayer, and then ask Him for things. And watch the change that happens in your heart. Um, I read all these quotes this week about prayer and how these old saints in like the 1800s and, and farther back would come out of their prayer closet like sweating. And I'm like, what, are you, what have you been doing? Like, what is happening to be? Because that just, that's never, that is totally out of my vocabulary. In no way does that make sense to me, to pray like that. Does that make sense? But as you go to God in the middle of pain or in the middle of a boring day, and you work to praise Him and look in the Scripture and think in your mind, how can I praise Him? How can I see more of Him? That's work. That's getting to know the person. That's coming to our Father And as you begin to do that, just like the effect it had on Job, it'll have on you. The wider that lens gets of God, the more it changes your soul. And the grocery list doesn't matter like it used to. Does that make sense? Let's pray together and then the band will come up. 